Eric is our speaker for this morning, and he has chosen a character from the Old Testament. And Eric is the director of City Team San Francisco. Now we have a uh, partnership, a longtime partnership with City Team San Francisco. And uh, uh, for those of you who know, um, several months ago, there was a fire hydrant right in front of the facility that was unearthed because of a drunk driver. And so the whole place flooded, and so all the men and the men in the recovery program had to be relocated to San, to San Jose. And just recently, they all moved back to uh, San Francisco. The, the place has been repaired, and the lease has been extended for um, the place that they're staying. So um, it's good that you guys have, have, have come back to the facility, and, and things are starting to uh, start again at City Team SF. Oh, no, not yet, not yet, no. Well, um, so Eric and I had uh, lunch, and we were talking about the series. And uh, in speaking to this brilliant man over lunch, we talked about the series. And then afterwards, we forgot where we parked. And so we spent the next 15 minutes talking about which character he would pick and looking for the car, right? That's what happened. Yeah, right. <laughs> Blame it on Berkeley. Um, but it took about five minutes for Eric to know which character he was going to talk about because the life theme of this character resonated so much with Eric that it just took about five minutes. So, Eric, come up here and share with us about the life of Daniel. <laughs> Thanks, Andrew. Uh, it's good to be uh, with you today. Um, yeah, and uh, a couple things. Yeah, the irony of our um, recovery center that takes care of the people on the on Sixth Street south of Market being taken out by a drunk driver was not lost on any of us. Uh, the goodness of God. Um, we have about 30 men in our program, and usually in the first two or three months they come in. We have got. Yeah, we feel like that. Uh, what, what God does in there, the deep healing that He does, it, it takes a year. It, might, it takes two or three months just for them to start thinking after they've been using. Um, it's not really my, it's not, I don't have a deep background in it. I started off doing something completely different and God's kind of led me to this. So, uh, I've been on a pretty good learning curve the last four or five years, but, uh, we had one guy leave in the, in the last six months. They've all stayed. We've been nomadic. We went one place to another place, finally ended up in San Jose. So I always laughed at the guys. I'm like, you can leave. Where are you going? You don't know where you're at. So a little cultic, a little, we're a little cult, like, you know. Like you have, we have you. You're not leaving. <laughs> I want to go use, go try, you know. Um, but uh, God was really good. And so now we've come back to the area and we're literally having to buy everything again, which is really unique. At first we're doing crisis management. Now I've been like a purchasing agent. I've been in, I've been in uh, the last month, like, oh, we need shelves. We need vacuums. Everything got ruined. You have no idea the water damage everything. We, we need to buy books again. We had no, all of our books got ruined. Uh, but the insurance company wrote us a really big check. That was nice. So uh, uh, we've been going, going over, yeah, this week I bought a TV, uh, which was fun, and I couldn't take it to my house, which was not as fun. Uh, really nice one uh, for the guys in the program. Um, hey, before we get into Daniel, let me encourage you, if you go, if you listen to your pastor and you go pick up one of those those bags for the uh, homeless. This is the adventure. M make it an adventure for your family. 
Um, and let me just encourage you to do one or two things. This is, this is now my wheelhouse. Is one, take one and just be praying, God, who is this for? Open our eyes. If you have children, right? If you have whoever is in your immediate family, just be praying that God would show you. See, just so they, you could find the right person. And when if you see somebody and you approach them, the first thing, uh, it's not just a transaction. So don't, it's, don't hand them the bag like it's, you know, going to explode in 10 seconds and throw, you're like, <laughs> throw it and run. Like, here you go. You know, good luck out there. Um, walk up to them and say, you know, introduce yourself. Hi, my name's Eric. What's your name? Right? So that's the first thing. People that are homeless are constantly look past. And so just to ask them their name. And um, if they say something to you, if they yell at you, just turn around and walk away. That's not the God one God chose. Because there's some mental illness there, and sometimes, depending on what's going on, there won't, uh, won't be anything there. But for the most part, if they say, hi, hey, my name's David. David, hey, um, I, we had this for you. Would this be something, you know, we ha- and tell them what's in it. We have some socks. We have this. We have a cool head, headlamp. They're like, headlamp? You know, like, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, but whatever it is, they'll say, you say, we have all these things in here, right? And then and hand, hand, it to, hand it to them. Be brave enough to ask this question. Is there anything else you need, right? So this is a scary question because they could look at you and say, yes, I need $100,000, which one time a gentleman said to me. He said, I thought I'd go large and just ask you for 100 grand. <laughs> I started laughing really hard, and I'm like, but, but the idea is this, is that God never calls us to give anything more than he's given us. You never have to feel guilty, right? It's impossible for most of us to keep somebody else at our level of comfort. And that person that you meet, uh, your job isn't to get them to your level of comfort. And that's often why we feel like this, how do I take care of this person? That's often why we can feel that way. But that's never, that's never our position. Like Jesus did not come down trying to get us all, everybody to a level of, how he came to be with us. So be with that person. And they say, well, and, so, and, and then let God tell you what to do. And this is, this, this is where it gets a little, little, but they say to you, well, I really need a blanket. You'd be surprised. You go, oh, interestingly enough, we have an old blanket in the car, right? Sometimes God will do that. Sometimes they'll say, I need a place to stay and this and that. Well, you know, don't get them a hotel for the night. If they've been on the streets, they'll be fine tomorrow. Sometimes they'll tell you a very sad story. Listen to it. It's exaggerated. Understand, really understand that. But then to look at them and say, yeah, it sounds like things are very hard. Right now, I, you know, I can't do that. I, we, 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 we can't do that. Be okay with saying no. But can, are you somebody that, um, but when I feel that, are you somebody that are interested in prayer? Can I pray for you really quickly? Right? But sometimes they'll say something like, I could really use this. This is great. Do you need anything else? You'd be surprised how many go, no, I'm, I'm fine now. You just, it's always surprising how content they are with a little. And I'm like, I'm not content. I get a lot, and I'm not content. I have teenage daughters. There is no contentment in my house. But, be, but, but, uh, but really, to be, you know, be forward enough to ask the question and see where God goes with it. We've had people ask for, you know, I've, I'd really love a sandwich. Ah, let's go get a sandwich. Let me go get you a sandwich, right? Right? Um, but let God tell you. If you're on a short timeline, be okay with that, right? And sometimes you say, well, I really could use this, right? Now, under, you know, and, and, and just, just really quickly, just say, God, is this something you want me to take care of? So those are awkward moments, and sometimes we avoid those awkward moments. But it's okay to say no. It's okay to say, yes, I have this great bag for you. Can I get this? No, 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 you can't. Okay, you know, you know can I have your shoes? Like, no, you can't have my shoes. 
Okay? But I've had guys say, can I have your shoes? And I've been like, yeah, you can have my shoes. <laughs> what size you wore? 13? Dang, God, dang. It's the same size shoe. Okay, here's my shoes, right? <laughs> right? And, uh, but you never know. And those are the fun, those are the fun times where you, it's, it's a risk. And uh, so as we talk today, uh, I want to talk about Daniel. Uh, and Daniel is a lot of fun, but sometimes I think in our faith, we can think of that there are certain people that are really gifted, and those people, like, wow, they were the Michael Jordan of their time. They made it into the, you know, they made the story, right? We, they all were known because they were these exceptional people that God gifted. Most of us, most of us minions don't get these big gifts, Right? Um, and so, interestingly enough, we can think of people in Scripture the same way, but God gives us gives them to us in narrative and in story, uh, so that we can understand that they're people very much like us. And God, even though I don't think I love C.S. Lewis's quote, God never does the same thing like the same way. He doesn't do things twice. He's always unique to our story. He's full of personality, uh, and He loves to work in, in ways that um, let us know. Uh, let us know re- really in the deepest parts of us that he's here, that he's guiding a process if we, if we let him. And so I believe that what happens in Daniel's life that we'll go over is still happening today. It can happen with you and I, and, and sometimes in very big ways. Uh, it's just not a story that says, this is an anchor story for you guys as a, as a, as a guide. He's still doing this on campuses and countries and families, he's still working like he does in Daniel's life. Now, I know that most of us will not be thrown into a lion's den, even if, I don't even think we have lion's dens. I don't even think that's hardly a thing anymore. Like we just keep a den of lions just in case we need to throw somebody in, right? But, um, But there are things that happen like this. I have a friend, a close friend of mine who works with us at City Team, um, and he lives in Sierra Leone. His name is Shadonke, Shadonke Johnson. Uh, his last name is Johnson. He is the son, the, the son of slaves that came back after, in America after uh, they let the slaves go. They, many of them went back to Africa, to Sierra Leone, and there's a city there, Freetown. That's why they named it Freetown. They, they went back, and that's that, that was the big natural port where a lot of slavery came out of. Right? So uh, Shadonke is very well known in Sierra Leone now. Now, many of you know, some of you have heard of Sierra Leone. Um, during the 90s, it was really one of the worst places on the earth to live. Uh, maybe you've seen the movie, you heard of the movie Blood Diamonds, right? A lot of, right, a lot of things happening uh, there. Shadonke became a follower of Jesus, um, grew up in the Muslim area. His dad was a Christian, his mother was a Muslim, grew up in the northern part of Sierra Leone. Uh, he has a great love for Muslims. And, um, and during, uh, during the hard time in the 90s, a number of things happened to him that were very Daniel-esque. And as we go through the story, you'll see, uh, I think what you see in, in, in Shadonke's story and Daniel's story, it came from the same place, which was really this very simple, ordinary thing that they did that gave them great courage. Um, Shadonke has many stories. I want to tell you two of these stories uh, this morning as we start. One of them is this, is that during this time of great revolution, People were being killed. Life became very cheap. Uh, Shanki, as a Christian, started speaking out against it. Um, and so one of the rebels wanted to kill him. And he said one day, him and his boys, as Shanki say, found him. They took him behind the house. And he says his boys were sitting there with machine guns. 
And he says, they tied my hands behind my back. He says, so high up his back, he says, the back of the, the tips of his fingers were touching the back of his head. He goes, he, still, he goes, I still have shoulder problems today because of it. And as Shadonki, he started praying. And he just said, God, this, this might be it for me. If this is it, you know, we should be with me now. And he says, but before you go, because this man is holding a gun to his head, he says, his, his, his troop all has machine guns and they're going to kill him. And he says, but Lord, let me take me one last one before I go. I want to take one last more with me. So he looks at this man, and, he, and this is how Shadonki describes it. He says, I pray, and he says, all of a sudden, like a waterfall, he says, I feel God's grace, the Holy Spirit come over him. And he looks at this man in the, eye, at the eyes who wants to kill him, and he says, he says you know, before, before you shoot me, I have one thing to say. He says to him, um, and I'm paraphrasing Shadonke's words, he goes, he, uh, he says, I know you will kill me and I know where I am going. I'm going to be with my father in heaven and I am okay with this. But you, you do not know where you're going. You will die and you, will, you do not know where you're going to go. And he starts speaking to him. But there is this God. He loves you. He wants to be close to you. He wants to be with you. Yeah, so kill me, this and that, but please come to know the God who loves you, who wants to be with you forever. So you will not know. You can live with your life with peace. And he speaks to him for three or four minutes. He says the man sits there with his gun. And he goes silent, he says, for, for a long time. Then he turns to his boys and he says, I will, this man is crazy. I will not kill a crazy man. Untie him. And so they untie him and leave. And about a week and a half later, this man comes and finds Shadonke. Now, the little bit of the story is when things get, this happens in Africa with some of our church planters. When things get crazy and it's revolution, they go from the cities into the bush. That's what they say. We go to the bush. But they go outside of town. So um, this man comes and finds him, right, and says, no one has ever spoken to me. And everything you said was absolutely true. And he come, becomes, this rebel commander becomes a, a follower of Jesus, and Shadonke uh, tells him. This becomes normative in his life. A little while later, uh, the same thing happens. Shadonke is known in the area as a pastor, as a, as a follower of Jesus. So he is speaking against some of the atrocities that are happening in his country. So one day they come to his place where he is hiding, and they find his wife. They go, where is your husband? And he, he sees it. He's in the house, and his wife starts covering up. Oh, I have not seen him in years. I don't know where he is, right? And um, so Shadonke goes, no, no, no. He comes out. He goes, I am right here. So the same thing. He goes, they tie me up and they throw me in the back of this military truck like a sack of potatoes. His wife is crying. They look at his wife and say, say goodbye. You'll never see him again. Right? So in pure Shadonke style, he has literally no fear. Right? He lifts his head out and he says, honey, I'll be home for dinner. I'm just going with my new friends. <laughs> As he says this, the guys kick him back down and this and that. Okay, honey, I see you in a little bit. So they take him to, their, to the, their military headquarters there outside of the city, and uh, they put him in a prison. And the prison consists of, you know, the shipping containers that come into Alameda? That's what they put him in, a shipping container, right? So you can imagine, it's in the 90s in Sierra Leone. It is hot, and you're in one of those shipping containers all day. At the end of the day, they take them out, and this is when they execute any any of, these, any of these people that they see as, as troublemakers. Um, 
What Shadanke starts to do when you've ever I've traveled with him, he starts to sing. And the man sings. He sings all the time. He makes up I, he makes up songs. He makes up worship songs. He sings. He sings all day in the worship container. Pitch black, whatever it is, how hard it is. The guards guarding it, he's driving them nuts. They're taking their guns, hitting the, hitting, the, hitting the container, telling him to shut up. He just keeps singing, right? He gets up in the morning, he sings, right? I was with him. One time I was with him, we were in Chicago, and I was introducing him to different people in Chicago, right? So um, this, one, this, this, this one firm run by a Christian man, uh, an investment banking firm, I introduced Shadanke to him, and uh, this man has invested a lot in the kingdom. So he says, you need to meet this man and what they're doing over here and how they're reaching Muslims. They've reached uh, more Muslims than probably anybody else on the face of the earth right now, hundreds and thousands uh, with, this, with this thing. So now they train all the different missions organizations. He starts listening to Shadanke, calls everybody into his office um, in this, uh, from this firm to listen to his stories. In the middle of it, Shadanke looks at all of them, all these investment bankers, and he breaks into song. He starts singing. <laughs> and then he goes through the song at which I'm looking at him going you are crazy, you're singing to this just does not happen, right all these, you know, mercantile ex you know, commodity exchange guys and then he looks at them and says join me, and they all start singing and I'm like, oh, this is great this is fantastic at the end, they're all glowing they're just, they can't believe it he just, he sings all the time and they wrote us a huge check it was really fun but what, it was sweet because what he realized is this man was, was investing in the kingdom, and when he heard how they were doing it, he said, he looked at me and said, this is a game changer. I go, it is because of how, how they reach Muslim villages, and God is really opening up the doors. Well, sure enough, the end of the day comes, and they bring him into the general. And he comes in, and he says, who are you? You're driving my soldiers crazy. Don't you know what's going to happen to me? And he says, yes, you're going to kill me. <laughs> he goes, why are you so brave? I, none of my men are as brave as you. I wish if you were in my army, you would be a general with this kind of bravery because you're not afraid to die. He says, well, I am in an army. And there's a lot of factions at this time. And the general says, whose army are you in? He's like, I am in the Lord's army. <laughs> That's totally shocking. Yes. So he goes, okay. And he's amused by him. He can't believe he's, so he, they talk for a while. He says, okay. Go home and come back in the morning. <laughs> so Shadanke leaves. But this is, I, and I, I'm, I've asked Shadanke this, was this code for leave, disappear? So he gets home and all of a sudden it's, it, it's you know, his wife is there. They've, they've notified other people. They've come over to pray. He shows up and he says, I told you I would be home for, lunch, for dinner, right? I told you this. And... Um, so all of his friends counsel him, do not go back in the morning, leave, go hide further, go, you know, leave the country for a while, you, if escape death. And Shadanke goes, nope. First thing in the morning, he goes back to, the, back to the headquarters, knocks on the gate for them to open up. The general at that time looks at him and says, says, oh, you are brave. What makes you so brave? Why are you here? Like we were going to kill you. He told me to come back, I'm back. So they talk for a while. He says, what makes you so brave? He starts to explain his faith. He says, would you teach my men this? Would you come here and teach my men? So Shadanke starts doing Bible studies with the men in the units. 
Still to this day, if you're in Sierra Leone with him, military people will go by and salute him. Um, he starts doing these, right? Years later, 2007, Sierra, um, Sierra Leone is having elections. There is, at that time, there has been a Muslim president of the country. Uh, lots of money is flowing in from Saudi, from different things, rebuilding uh, uh, Muslim schools, Muslim universities. They're trying to turn the country into a, into a, Muslim, uh, into a Muslim country, you know, on, on every level. Um, the opponent he's running against is an is a evangelical Christian, and the country is kind of divided that way. Um, Christians, Muslims, a lot of animus when it comes to faith. Um, the, the, the man who's running, who had been the president, understands as they go out to the villages that many of these Muslim villages in the north are no longer Muslim villages. Many of them have become Christians. He starts to see that this election is going to be close. So he goes to his head of staff, the head of the army, and he says, it's going to be a close election, and in so many words, it looks like we're going to have to fix it. There might be riots, and we're really going to need the army's right, help on this. Right? So the general, now you know, here just under a decade later, is the same general now that was back that Shadonki met. He's now the head of the army. And he turns to the president, and he says, I cannot do that. I'm a follower of Jesus now. If you win, I will strongly support you. But if the other candidate wins, I will also strongly support them. I will do what's right and fair. The president gets mad and says, if I win a re-election, you are fired. You know? And sure enough, uh, corruption is found out. In the last almost 10 years, there has been a Christian president of Sierra Leone who has been really, uh, it's really a sweet story. They have a long ways to go. It's a really, uh, the country is, uh, is pretty rough. But he's been building infrastructure, but most importantly, he's been really strong on corruption, which we know is kind of the thing that will keep a, a community and a, and a, and a um, um, you know, a society within that poverty. And he's been really hard in it, and, and Sierra Leone is, is making, you know, steps. This is all because, this is, and some of this I look and go, you know, God has used him. But it wasn't that he... Uh, um, it wasn't that Shadonke was somebody striving for this. The circumstance presented himself, themselves. And I've just met few people, and as we look at Daniel's story and Shadonke's story, that parallel each other. Um, you know, Shadonke and Daniel have, when I looked at it, I, knowing both of them and seeing what's in Scripture, they have the same powerful kind of secret that we'll discover in Daniel's story. And one thing that I love about them that we don't talk much about is this. Neither of them had a fear of men. What men thought, what systems were doing, that the voice of God was loud enough in their life, um, they, they did what God wanted them to do. Um, now, sometimes when we think about being, you know, if I use that term fear of man, this is not out of frustration, out of anger, out of I'll tell them the right thing to do. We have a lot of political leanings. I just want to speak the truth, right? It's not out of that place, right? It comes from a different place. It comes from this place of I don't fear men, but because of that, then I don't hate, I don't, I don't need to hate these men either, right? When I fear them, then I have to make them the enemy, God's love doesn't do that. I don't fear you, 
But then again, I'm free to love you. I don't feel in our family, my sister or my parents are doing the right thing, but I still love them. And I'm going to come at them to love them, right? Not to, not to get my way, right? These are different things. And this is what we see. When we follow God, he doesn't give us, he doesn't, he, he doesn't work out of that place of anger or frustration. He works out of a place of love. And that's what I like, Shadonke's story, he wins people over to him because he's not, a, even though this man wants to, even though this man, I'm not going to make this man the enemy, right? He, he, does, he does that. So when we, um, he doesn't, uh, they, they don't look, Daniel doesn't look at, um, at, uh, at, at this place of looking for others' approval. Now, Daniel's story is, and some of you are familiar with it, right? You, you look at it, and there's tons of highlights in it, and we're just going to drill down on one on one part of it. Um, we see that he was, taken, uh, he was taken into captivity from Israel, and he's, one of the, he's seen as one of the brightest and the best. He's, 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 a, he's, a, he's a smart kid when he comes in. He has strong gifts from God. He has, in fact, we see that he, through his life, has a prophetic gift. Right? Now, when, you, when it comes to gifts, all of us have these gifts, and sometimes we don't think about it that way. Many times in the church, when you follow God, we think of it as, well, I have a personality, I have a temperament, and God tends to work this way. I'm good at math. That's my gift. That's not what a gift is. A gift is something that God gives to us, and um, when we use it, it's, it's almost like he supernaturally charges it. There is a force multiplier that we do something and God uses it, that everybody goes, whoa, that, that wasn't just you. Now, some, some people have this, and, you know, some people have different gifts, right? It's the same thing. There's people that have the gift of, 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 of speaking, and it's not that they're just a good communicator. And I know people that aren't really great communicators, but what ends up happening is God takes their words, and, and when people hear them, different, I mean, it's, it's amazing what comes out of them. So it's not just being, there's people that could be a gifted storyteller, but there's other people that God uses in, in, this, in this wonderful way that their words then multiply. And that God connects things within our hearts and our minds. And we say, oh, God is, and God's voice becomes loud when they speak. The difference between being someone that's interesting to hear and like, oh, they're so great. And someone that they speak and you go, oh, my gosh, God has just, just made all these connections in my heart and my mind. Same thing was with with hospitality, with service. God uses it to disarm people. The gift of prayer, God uses it. When they pray, all of a sudden, things open up, things happen. If people with the gift of healing, they pray and people get healed and it's not just because they're, they're, they're good, that God has given them that gift and multiplies it. Each of us, if, when you come, each of us, as follow, if you are a follower of Jesus, you have a gift like that. Right? That was just a little commercial in Daniel's story. But I want to encourage you that God will use you in supernatural ways. Right? So Daniel had one that he could interpret dreams. It became very clear, very clear to him. You know, we see that um, Daniel is raised up in his life of great authority and influence uh, as we were going to go through it. He's saved miraculously from the lion's den. He gives hard news to the king, that could, and he's praised for giving him the hard news at times to the rulers. And he's the target of jealousy and schemes. You know, 
all throughout his life that are destroying him. But at the same time, God constantly puts, and we'll talk about this again, he constantly puts people of favor in his life. So when you follow God, you will get opposition, right? But you also, God will also say, we'll, we'll, we'll go before you and set things up. So this is what we see in Daniel's life. Um, so the first thing we see in Daniel, in Daniel chapter 1, let me just read this thing. Daniel is taken into captivity. And the first thing is, this is great. He has a community. It's him, and they're, they're, they're given different names. They're renamed. They have to learn a new language, right? But um, he does have some other followers with him. How important it is to have community, right? So to be someone that, that God works in your life like he works in Daniel's life, the community. He had Meshach, you know, Abednego, these other other, you know, group of, of men who are, uh, that are able to reflect that and, and really push him, you know, I always think of people that push me towards God or people that, you know, pull me away from God, right? All right. So he's able to have these people that will, will encourage his faith, right? So it says this, when Daniel heard that they were saying, okay, you're now in, the, you're now in our program, here's all your food, you're going to be the brightest and the best, you're going to get the best food. And Daniel, being a good Jewish boy, says, this food is not kosher. What are we going to do? How easy it would be, like, well, God's put us here. We probably should eat the food, you know? Daniel goes, nope. Right? Him and his, him and his, him and his boys go, nope. So Dan, but this is what it says. I love this. But Daniel resolved not to defile himself with the royal food and wine, but asked the chief official for permission not to defile himself in this way. Now, God had caused the official to show favor and compassion on Daniel. And sure enough, within a week or two, it's seen that he looks better than all the other people by doing the right thing, right? So there's always risk. Faith always has that, you know, God goes, take a step, I'll be with you. So he gives him, right? So the first thing is, is I love this word resolve. If God wants to work in our, if you want God to work in your life, and you want to experience God in like, you know, this high definition, the one thing is resolve. We don't use that word much, right? And so when I was going over this, I was thinking, what's the resolve, right? Resolve, um, you, know, it's, it's, uh, you know, it's like that strength with, it's like a strength with lasting determination, you know? It's like, it's like my, my grandparents' generation, you know? My grandfather, you know, was in World War II, you know, fighting evil, Right? I always think about it like a, it's like a cowboy, you know, moving 2,000 herd of cattle across the range, <laughs> alone, you know, what are you going to, how long is it going to take you? A year, you know, what do you have? is it going to happen? Yes, you know, I will will it to happen, you know, there's kind of resolve, you know, it's the resolve of a three-year-old wanting ice cream, you know, it's like, oh, just give it to them, just... I'm, I'm done, just give them the ice cream, right? But the resolve is that idea that I will not be moved. I remember when my daughters were young and they wanted something and my wife and I would look at, it, look at them and be like, oh, who wants shiny keys? You know, you, you could just do the distraction thing. And then as they got older, you're like, doesn't work anymore. They, they want the other thing. You know, what are we going to do? And you're just worn out, young parents, right? You're just like, just give it to them, just give it to them. Um, but I feel that in Daniel's life. That it's that word resolve. His resolve was that he was going to follow God no matter what the cost. He was going to, he goes, no, this is my, this is my first, this is my best. This is the option. 
how does he have this resolve? Right? How do you have that, that faith that says, I won't compromise? Right? So then it says this about Daniel. It says, now Daniel distinguished, so distinguished himself among the administrators and, the, and um, with his exceptional qualities that the king planned to set over him the whole kingdom. And at this, the administrators tried to find grinds, uh, grounds for charges against Daniel uh, to, um, in his conduct of the government affairs, but they were unable to do so. They could find no corruption in him, for he was trustworthy and neither corrupt or negligent. Finally, these men said, we're never going to find any basis of charges against this man, Daniel, unless it has something to do with his God. So he has this resolve, but he also has this trustworthiness and integrity, right? Is there anything worse than somebody who is a little sketchy but talks about God with a loud voice? I'm like, oh, no, please, no more. Don't say anything more, right? Someone who talks about God but has a lot of selfish motivations, right? When we walk with God, we have to put all of our stuff down, and Daniel does. So there's never a place where, hey, maybe you benefit and I benefit too. There's none of that in him, right? None of it, right? So um, trustworthiness, integrity, honesty. Um, God, um, God honors it, um, so we see those things. Then it says this, so the administrators went as a group to the king. And this is the second king that Daniel served under. So, uh, I'm sorry, let me just a little context. I, the first thing is when, the first thing I just talked about with the food was when Daniel first came in as a young man. Now, years later, he's on the second, he's in the second kingdom. He's already, he's already been able to um, have favor with, with uh, one king. Now he's on the second king, Darius. And he says, so the administrators... Um, said to the king, may the king Darius live forever. The royal administrators and advisors and governors have all agreed that the king should issue an edict and enforce the decree so that anyone who prays to any god or human being during the next 30 days except you, you know, your majesty, shall be thrown into the lion's den. Now your majesty, issue the decree and put it in writing so it cannot be altered in accordance with the law of the Medes and the Persians so it cannot be repealed. So king Darius put the decree in writing. So this is a setup, right? Seems like a good thing. And this is Daniel's response. It says this, and this is what these men knew about him. Now, when Daniel learned of that decree had been published, he went home to his upstairs room where the windows opened towards Jerusalem. Three times a day, he got down on his knees and prayed, giving thanks to his God, just as he had done before. Daniel's secret was just every day, three times a day, he would connect with God. Trustworthiness, right? resolve those things. It wasn't that God had said, you're this extraordinary, this special person. It's what Daniel, Daniel just every day sought God. He had a rhythm of doing this. Everything else was God's doing. But Daniel... Daniel was able to hear God's voice every day clearly. Right? It's easy in our culture to hear every other voice, right? And they loud, it comes at us. It's pushed now. Now we have push, right? Pu everything's pushed towards me. To have friends that could even, right, you know, have friends that are in our ear saying the wrong thing. Family that is saying, oh, if you're really, right? Daniel was able to hear God's voice, right? He was a man of prayer. 
Now, sometimes when we think of prayer, we think of hours of sitting alone with God, but it's just this simple, God, here's my life. What would you have me do? I'm thankful. And letting God make those connections, right? What would your life be like? What happens to your faith if you start just taking significant time, you know, significant time in your schedule? Boom. You know, we all have alarms. Our phones are fantastic now. You know, three times a day. Hey, I'm going to take a break. I'm going to go take five minutes. I'm going to go pray. God, thank you for the middle of my day. In the morning when you get up, at night before you go to bed, just constantly giving yourself back over to God. Is there anything you want to tell me? Anything I need to know? I want to thank you for your doing this. I want to thank you for that. Right? I want to listen. So Daniel has that. What I didn't tell you about my friend Shadonki is he has that. God wakes him up in the morning. God talks with him. I was asking him this one question one time, Shadonki. I looked at him and said, hey, does God ever wake you up in the morning? Yeah, like early? He goes, oh, yes, all the time. I go, like, early, early? Like three and four in the morning? He goes, yes. And I'm like, okay, so once in a while, if you ever get that, it's in the morning. God wakes you up, right? And not just like you wake up, you know, kind of, but sometimes you woken up and it's like, okay, why am I kind of awake? You know, wake, awake. I said, you know, God has done that, and I've got up and spent time with him. And I'm like, the interesting part is this, is that I will get up that, that night only getting a handful of hours of sleep, but I'm fine all the next day. And Shanaki looks at me, and I never learned this in seminary. <laughs> he, said, he said, yes. He says, there is a rest deeper with the Lord when you spend time with him than any sleep can give you. And I go, wow, that sounds strangely biblical. <laughs> Even though it's not in the Bible, right? just that idea. So what that did for me was embolden me to go, look, if God wants to get me up to pray, to spend time with me, right? And I am not a morning person. Like I am like coffee, I am the coffee guy in the morning, right? That God will get you up. Sometimes he'll get you up just to spend time with you, to remind you of things, right? To have you just sit with him. God, anyone want to tell me? Yeah, I want to tell you. Like, God, let me just tell you the things that I've been thinking about. Let me tell you the things I'm worried about. And then to sit with him and have him talk with you to bring people up. Sometimes I know people that do that. Uh, they do it in writing, right? They, they write things down, and that's where, where God speaks to them, right? What's your, what, what your rhythm is. Shadanke has that. Daniel has that. But it's not this, you know, there are people that are called to this. These guys were doers. So when they prayed, sometimes three, three four minutes is, is fine. But sometimes God will do that. He will interrupt your life. Um, so before I go to bed, I go, God, wake me up when you want to wake me up. Dangerous prayer, right? Do it. Try it. Eh, be fine, right? Um, it's that habit of prayer. The other thing that I can tell you is this. Part of Shananke's ministry, and this is really is, is something, is that they have one of these places when he's doing anything right now. He, they have set this up, and this is why they've seen a lot of you know, just a, God has doing doing tremendous things through them, and this is part of our DNA now. They have they have a place where people are praying all the time. It's like this little prayer. Well, it's like a hut, really. It's like a prayer hut. And when he goes on a trip, he goes over. When they're going to a new village, 24/7, there's somebody in there. I'm taking the night shift. We're coming here. We're praying. We're covering, right? Because it's um, in order for God to work, right? We need. Why prayer is important is that many times we try, especially in, in being, you know, in the United States, it's easy for us to try to execute on our own plans, right? We control it all. 
we'll go here to go here to get this to find everything, right? But the problem is in doing that, we call God sometimes into our plans. And the confusing thing can be this. God, would you work in my way? And God's going, I want to answer your prayer, but I can't do it the way you're asking me to do it. I have to say no. I have to be quiet on this. Why? Because um, you're working independently. In fact, you're, the way we're working right now is you're not giving it over to me. Um, you're actually directing me into your plans. And I love you. And I want to do exactly what you, I, I, we have the same heart. But your plan is a terrible plan. He had to tell me that. Eric, I love you. Yeah, you're a terrible brand. I'm like, I know. Like, I can't, the Eric Venable brand is a lousy brand. I'm like, okay. Like, just, you know, so it's really, and I maybe use the illustration, we're saying, God, come do what I want you to do. And the thing that happens with Daniel, with my friend Shadonke, with these men, they weren't special men. They just stop and they go, no, God, I will just go in your direction. I will pray. We won't move until you say move. That's waiting. We're not good at waiting. No, no, let's set a plan together, right? You got to go here to get to this college, to get to this career, right? Whatever it is, right? But God goes, I, I want to bless you. But now, now you're God and I'm serving you. And that, that brings you and me further away from each other. So I can't, I can't answer that prayer in that way. But if you put it down and follow me, I'll answer the prayer in a way like Daniel's life, like some of the other, these other stories, where they go, there's no other way except that God must have done it. He gets all the glory. How they say it is this. He goes, when God does something, our African leaders say it. I love the way they say it because it's, it's a wake-up call for me. He goes, oh, we dare not touch God's glory. Right? As an American, <laughs> if God does something, I'm writing a book on it. I'm marketing it. All right? I got a kid's line of things. You know, I got a, you know, I got a summer camp for it. I got everything for it. Right? I'll market it. God goes, no, 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 no. We dare not touch God's glory. I don't know how many times God has worked and I've stood next to him and said, we did that and took partial credit. And God goes, I love you. You can't take any credit for this. It's just you stand back and you say, no, 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 I didn't do any of it. This is where we start to see, so God wants to work in our lives if we will let go. And what prayer does, prayer, what, by praying, constantly giving it to God and surrendering it, is it takes us out of the equation so that God can work and that we're convinced that we had nothing to do with it, and that it was all him. And it's very personal. Like, again, God is full of personality. The things he does, it's not for the big crowd. It's almost always for, for you, me, the, uh, just for that small group of people that are around. Right? So this is why Daniel's life is powerful. It wasn't because he was just one of the best and the brightest. In fact, we can kind of argue you know, from this is that it was the fact that Daniel was bright, but his greatest strength was that he didn't rely upon that. Almost everything that happened in Daniel's life was because of a gifting that God came in and did. And Daniel was, had surrendered his life enough not to take credit for it so God could be free to work in, in very powerful ways. And the beautiful thing is this, is that, um, is that this is why God uses people like Gideon. He almost always uses like different people without power, right? Because if it's just us, mustering what we can do, right? That's why he uses, they all, these guys all hated Daniel because he was the foreigner. How does the foreigner, you know, this foreigner go, rise up within our kingdom, right? 
this is why this is one of the reasons why I don't like him. There's a there was a man in the uh, 1800s uh, that um, became one of the greatest evangelists. His name was uh, Dwight Lyman Moody. I don't know if you ever heard of this guy. Uh, he was this overweight kind of you know country kid who couldn't speak correct English, right? Um, uneducated, and he was told when he became a believer that the world has never seen a man that was fully given to God, taking himself out of the equation. And his life's work was, was, by God's grace, I'll be that man, completely taking myself out and giving myself to God. By the time I think he was in, by the time he died, he had preached to, um, without microphones, you know, this is not microphones without, uh, you know, TV, radio, any of these things well before that. It was like, I think it was like six or seven hundred million people. Sorry about that. He had preached to. That God used him over and over and over. And, he would, and they would say he couldn't put a correct English sentence together. Right? You can imagine the 1800s bad English. Right? And yet God superpowered it to do his work, right? So this is what happens in our lives. And it can happen in your life and in my life. It's about giving ourselves over. So what do we see? That supernatural gift, that, that Daniel is placed with favor. The king loves him, realizes he's been done. You know, he gets, they find, the, they find Daniel exactly where he wants, where he is. He's praying to his God. And they go, king, you got to throw him in the lion's den. It's the law, your law, you know. So they throw, they throw Daniel. And uh, after, and it's all night. It's not they don't throw him in there for a couple seconds and bring him back out. It's all night. The next morning, they uncover it. The king runs to, uh, the king goes to it, uh, to, the, to the lion's den. And Daniel answers, may the king live forever. My God sent his angel and he shut the mouths of the lions. Interesting topic. Did Daniel see the angel, right? We usually shut that thing off, but there's something in there that Daniel saw. Something miraculous happened. They have not hurt me because I was found innocent in your sight, nor I have ever done anything wrong before you, your majesty. And the king was overjoyed and gave orders to lift Daniel out of the den. And when Daniel was lifted out of the den, no, den, no wounds were found on him because he had trusted in his God. And at the king's command, the men who had falsely accused Daniel were brought in and thrown into the lion den. And uh, so we, again, we know this story, but understand that it wasn't because Daniel was fearless, right? It was because Daniel was this man of prayer. And so for you this morning, I would just, uh, as I look at his life, you know, um, maybe God will not bring you to the top of a government, but where has he placed you? Within your school? within your workplace, within your family, right? And what would happen if you just started over and over surrendering those things to him? God, here's my family. And sometimes God will do that and start to show you, oh, instead of going along with this, maybe I need to speak to my sister about this. You know, I have a group of friends. Maybe I need to say no to this, right? It's surprising when you're connected to God, if his voice becomes loud, he just starts moving you in little ways, right? Little ways. I mean, sometimes it's, 
you, you, never, you never know what's going to happen. My wife has had to, my wife one time had to do this. We lived in Kansas City, and in Kansas City, we had all these neighbors. None of them were believers, right? And they had this culture of drinking. Like, they drank all the time. I'm like, guys, we're in our 40s with kids. We're not, we're not, in, a, we're not in a fraternity. And they're like, yeah, well, I'll drink to that. No, no, let's not drink to that. My wife gets, so she went out with some of the, some of the and we, love, we get to love these families. And she gets in the car to drive them because we ended up being the designated drivers all the time. I'm not kidding. You know, I have great stories. But um, she goes to get in, and they all get in to go downtown to go out to a restaurant with their red cups filled with whatever it was. My wife looks at them and goes, what are you guys doing? They're like, what? We're going downtown. They're like, no, you guys all have basically alcohol in the car. And this is one of those hard things. And she goes, they go, oh, and this is what sin does. Oh, it's no, everybody does it. They're roadies. We call them roadies. Okay, come on, let's go. Pam goes, no, we are not going anywhere. Girls, you have to get, I'm not driving with that in my car. So you have that awkward moment, right? And and then there was a fist fight. No, there wasn't a fist fight. No, but uh, I say that because I remember my wife coming going, you know, I go, no, this is sometimes God will use the hard thing. You know, not saying it in anger, but God will use the hard thing later for another person to come to her and say, I know you're somebody of faith. Can I talk with you about my, my marriage, which happens, right? So sometimes God will bring, will bring that thing up where you go, I have to say no. I just can't, okay, go along with it. I don't, I don't want to stand out. Those are real-life situations. And then often God will use that, whatever it would be, right? So here's the challenge this week. Here's just something you would consider. Um, I just find this, this has been, this for me has been so fun with Daniel. For you, you go, yeah, maybe you got a smartwatch, maybe you got a phone. Three times a day, you set your alarm. You go, God, just to spend a few minutes with him. Surrender and, and do th- these three things And this challenge that you would try that this week, next week, that the first thing you do is you just start thanking God for everything in your life. Changes your attitude, right? Changes our attitude. Contentment, it, it does. And, and it, it puts God right in his proper place. The other one is surrender. God, here's my life. Here's my marriage. Here's my dating relationships. Here's my career. I give it to you. Not what I want, what you want, right? Just keep doing it over and over, right? Every time, God, here's my life. Here's my relationships, here's my sexuality, here's my finances, here's the things I'm worried about. I'm worried about this with my children, I'm worried about this with the, I'm, here's my things. I just want to give those to you. I don't know what to do about them, that's why I worry. God goes, yeah, you weren't supposed to hold that. That's my job, not your job. Give it to me, I, I got this from here. And then the last thing is this. Uh, as you're talking with him, if you can find a place, and it might not always happen depending on your day, Speak it out loud. If anybody catches you, yeah, you'll look crazy. That's okay. That's okay. But something happens, and it's really strange at first, but if you, it, it, you, it, it really works. When you speak it out loud, your prayers, when you start, your stream of consciousness going from your head to putting it into words, it becomes more real. And you actually make a lot more sense. You're, for me, you, you don't jump from thing to thing. You, you tend to stay... Uh, it, it tends to feel like a more real conversation you're having with God, right? Now, it doesn't have to be loud. You don't have to go in, you know, to a, 
<laughs> conference room and go, okay, God, you know, and everybody can hear you. But it is one of those things that it really, I find that helpful, right? And if you haven't done that, this would be, uh, okay, let me try it. And if it doesn't work, um, I, I guarantee all of your money and time back. I do. I will refund each one of you. <laughs> yeah, Andrew, this is why you asked me to speak, because you look really good after you know, next week. You go, Isn't it great? You're great to have Pastor Andrew back. But that would be my challenge, that you would try that. What would be your rhythm, right? What would be your rhythm of saying, how do you surrender to God? Anyways, uh, um, God wants to be close to you. He wants his voice to be loud in your life. And when we go in his direction rather than ours, that's when all of a sudden he comes to life. I believe that God is always speaking. And if we just take time to listen to him, um, many times our, our spiritual lives then, they, they, all of a sudden they get infused, they, they jump. Maybe you've experienced this. Ever gone on a missions trip, right? You're praying all the time, worshiping all the time. Ever gone to camp? Oh my God, all of a sudden my faith comes alive. Many times it's because all of a sudden you start to practice this habit. And within a week, you feel like you're really hearing God loudly. This can happen every week in your life. God loves you. He wants to be close to us. These aren't isolated special stories. It's the same story that God wants to do in each of our lives. Let me pray for us, and then uh, we're going to continue to worship. Jesus, thank you for Daniel, um, for his story. Um, and God, we... We just ask that you would do the same within our own lives, that we would have a closeness um, to you, that hearing your voice and listening to it, would there would be no option other than that. Father, with my friends today, uh, with, uh, uh, with the church here, would you, uh, would you move among it in a powerful way? Um, would you speak to us and show us, Holy Spirit, how much you love us, would you draw us to yourself? And Father, um, uh, let us just gently see the areas that we're holding on to that keep us from being close to you. Some of, sometimes, Father, we don't even know. Would you bring those just really beautifully to our minds that we could give those to you so that you uh, would be stronger, your voice would be louder, and your work would be done within our lives. And I just pray a blessing on my brothers and sisters today, Father. Uh, the gift of you, Holy Spirit. Come in and be loud. Come in and be beautiful. And show us how wonderful the Father is. Show us the things that we can just put down that we don't have to carry anymore. Um, and Father, give us that desire just to connect with you like Daniel did, like my friend Shadonki does. Uh, give us that desire to connect with you and to just everything we do, to just to constantly give it to you. And we pray this in the name and power of Jesus. Amen.